Hi, and this is the Corner Piece Podcast, and today's mystery is... The Missing and Recently Found Fen Treasure. I'm Molly. I'm May. I'm Todd. And I'm Katie. And I'm going to take you back to 2010. In 2010, Barack Obama was the U.S. president. Apple released their very first iPad. Toy Story 3 was playing in theaters. And also, in 2010, an art dealer from Santa Fe published a memoir called The Thrill of the Chase, which included a mysterious 24-line poem that, if solved, would lead searchers to a million-dollar treasure. Forrest Fenn was born on August 22nd in 1930. He died recently in 2020 at the age of 90. He was a pilot in the United States Air Force. Fenn made a gallery called the Fenn Galleries. It was located in New Mexico and sold a variety of variety of Native American artifacts, paintings, bronze sculptures, and many other types of art. In 2010, Forrest Fenn hid his treasure chest that had a lot, a lot of gold and other valuable items. It was worth to be at least a million dollars. Thousands of people looked for it, including five people who died looking for the treasure. Soon it became a national story. The treasure chest was a bronze box. Fenn said it weighed about 22 pounds. The chest had a lot of art around it. In the chest, there was a lot of gems, including gold nuggets, gold coins, pre-Columbian gold fingers, rubies, sapphires, emeralds, and diamonds. He hid the treasure. No one knew what town or state it was in. He picked the location because in 1988, he had cancer, and the doctor said he was going to maybe die. He chose a spot that if he were going to lie down and die, he would want to be. This is how he chose the spot for the treasure. But then he ended up getting better. Fen hid the treasure, and now he needs to provide the clues. He wrote a book called The Thrill of the Chase, and in it is his poem, which Fen said is all you need to find the treasure. A bunch of websites said it took him about 10 to 15 years to write the poem. That's a long time. And here's the poem. Here's the poem. It may be called The Thrill of the Chase as well, or it may be untitled. That part is unclear. So listen carefully, because apparently this is all you need to know to find a million-dollar treasure. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold... I can keep my secret where an hint of wrenches, new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk. Put in below the home of Brown. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answer's I already know. 
I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. Here are a couple other clues that Fend has shared in interviews. The treasure is above 5,000 feet of elevation. It is north of Santa Fe in the Rocky Mountains of New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, or Montana. It is not in a building or a cemetery. It is not too dangerous to get to. The treasure is likely within 500 feet of the first two clues, possibly 200 feet. Forrest has mentioned that it took him two trips from his car to place the treasure, and he did it in an afternoon when he was 80 years old. So that's the, that's the poem. I'm definitely not an English major, but even I find this poem pretty exciting. So we found a few sites online that mentioned he spent 10 to 15 years working on this poem. Uh, consistently, we also see that there were nine clues in this poem. And so, before we get into the clues, why don't we talk about, first of all, why why do this? Why hide a treasure, write a book, write a poem, and and send this out and see what happens? I wonder if when he was, like, younger, he, like, really liked going on, like, scavenger hunts or, like, doing adventures outside with, like, maybe his family. And he thought that maybe if he liked it, other families might like it. I think that's a great idea, Molly. So he, like, hid this for, like, a mystery for other families to, like, find. Yeah. Um, I also think that maybe he said in an interview that um, he just wanted a good old-fashioned treasure hunt. So that might have, like, sparked why he wanted to put a lot of... Um, valuable items in this chest and hide it in the woods. I also wonder, um, there's something kind of poignant, right, that he decided to do this when he thought he was going to die of cancer. And in some ways, maybe this was sort of his last gift to the world, right? He loved being outside. He loved treasure hunts. So in some ways, he's sort of saying, if I could only do one last thing before I die, it would be something like this, where other people can enjoy being outside with sort of the promise of this million-dollar treasure. It is quite a legacy. It is interesting. And there, there's something about treasures that just grab people. You, you, you look at centuries going back. I mean, this goes back to the Middle Ages of people looking for treasures. So let, let's hit a few of the, the clues that I think are interesting. So I have the poem here in front of me right now. But um, to me, where it gets particularly interesting is starting in the second stanza. So... That the first line there, begin it where warm waters halt. So Fenn has said, basically, there is a starting point, and then there are directions you need to follow to get to the ending point. So that second stanza begins. Second stanza begins with begin, and in the uh, middle of the fourth stanza, it says, da da da, your quest to cease. And so to me, between those two is kind of the heart of the poem. Um, and. The, the other thing that's interesting about the second stanza is the, that's the only one that breaks the A-B-A-B uh, rhyming structure of the whole poem. Warm, where warm waters halt, to me, when I think about the Rockies, I keep going back to geysers and hot springs. Warm waters in the Rockies above 5,000 feet. I don't know what else could make warm water. And the home of Brown. Brown is capitalized. What did you think about Brown, May? Um, I think that maybe he's a 
person. Um, I don't know. It says um, put down. Put in. Put in below. below. Um, but I would wonder, like, is his house, like, elevated? So you could put it in below his house. And also put in sort of means attach a boat um, to the lands. And I wonder, like, how you would attach it to, like, below someone's house. And yeah, who's put, put in put in often means, like, you have a boat, it's on the land, and then you get it into the water. And, you know, the thing is, brown is not, it's a pretty common name for sure. But that seems so, it seems so obvious that if you found somewhere within those states of New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, or Montana, and there was like the brown farmhouse, it seems like it would be like much easier. So I wonder if there's sort of a twist there. Like if there's a sort of, you have to solve something to figure out something else with the put in. Um, Also in the last paragraph, he says, so hear me all and listen good. Your effort would be worth the cold. And I'm wondering if it's like could be like somewhere where it's like always cold no man no matter like what season like the mountains because if he was writing this in the winter he'd probably know that in the summer it's not going to be as cold as it is now. Such a good point. Yeah, um but I would wonder why is it where the warm waters halt and then he says it's going to be cold there even though yeah. there's warm water there. There's to- there's so much water and temperature imagery, right? Mm -hmm. So it says like warm waters halt. Um, There'll be no paddle up your creek, Um, just heavy loads and water nigh. So can we all agree that it's probably has something to do with water? Like there's definitely water near the treasure, right? Probably. Do you think the treasure was underwater? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was a bronze box, right? So that's pretty hardy. Also, but like it was probably, if it was new, it would probably be shiny. And if you're, like, walking along a river, like, the reflection of it might catch the sun. And then it might be a little easier to find because there's just, like, this, like, really bright light coming out of the river. And I'm reminded, uh, one of the other clues is someone said, he said, Fen, it's not that dangerous to get to. So if it's underwater, to me, there's some danger in being underwater. Like, if you don't know where a treasure is, you need to, like scuba dive underwater to a bunch of spots that seems a little bit dangerous yeah and it's 20 pounds so how would he expect people to swim up with 20 pound box great point (laughs) such a good point also like you can get like sick if you're swimming in like freezing water because it says your effort would be worth the cold so like if it's cold the water temperature is cold even it says it might have been warm so I'm kind of be getting confused on like is it warm or cold or such a good point I also feel like um he had to put it somewhere where he knew well I would think he would hope it wouldn't move right and water is pretty powerful so if you put it in a river with a current I would think a box on its own is just going to end up like dislodging and who knows where it's going to end up if it like floats down a river yeah it could open up and, like, totally... Spill all those yeah. jewels and rubies. Yeah. I wonder if you have to traverse a river or a creek. Because he's talking about um, there will be no paddle up your creek. So I wonder if it's somewhere where you can't kayak, but you need to walk through, I'm, I'm making it up, a one-foot-deep creek, and you get to the other side of it. But does, is it water ever consistently one foot? 
It would depend on the season. Right? Like, isn't yep. it going to yep. change dramatically? He did say don't go looking for it when there's snow. Okay. Oh, maybe because, like, the water might freeze because it snows under 32 degrees. Or yeah. maybe the treasure gets buried uh-huh. in winter under snow. I don't and think it, he buried it. It can also be dangerous to, like, go digging in the snow, especially, like, on a mountain where it's cold because an avalanche could come. One of the other clues I thought was so interesting is that um, Todd said there's, like, a start and an end to the poem, but um, Forrest has said the treasure was within 500 feet of the first two clues. So you have to be really close. It's not like a treasure hunt where it's like, get in your car, drive 20 miles, walk four miles. It's sort of like once you start the poem and look for the clues, you're not going much more than, what, a quarter of a mile radius? Less than that. Which is like kids walking, what, five minutes, 10 minutes? Yeah, it would be less significantly less than one lap around a track. Yeah, because one lap around the track is a fourth mile. That's right. Um, my other thing that I just like as a clue is that Forrest said um, that it took him two trips from his car to place the treasure. So we wonder if because it was 22 pounds, maybe he put the box and then carried some of the jewels because he probably couldn't carry the 22 pounds as far as it needed to be to get to the hiding spot. But he also did it when he was 80 years old. So I don't think it's that far. I don't think you need to park in a parking lot and hike for like four hours to get to it. I agree. Yeah. But he doesn't even give you like the state or even the region. Um, So you wouldn't even know where to be and now he's at like it's 500 feet so that's just pure luck if you end up like in that area mm-hmm. the other one other thing that i've been thinking about that i still haven't figured out how to feel about it is there's the one line if you've been wise and found the blaze look quickly down your quest to cease so if you've been wise and found the blaze it makes me think of a trailblaze that you see on a yeah. on a hiking yep. path look quickly down which to me means the treasure is right there. But I don't, I have a hard time reconciling that if this is a common uh, trail with trailblazes that you're just going to leave a bronze box with a million dollars of treasure in it sitting right on the side of a trail. So I don't know what I think about this blaze. Also in like a national park or something, there's like a ton of trails that like have all different color blazes. So he could have like, like found like a, like trail where like no one really knew about it was kind of mysterious so like at the end of the trail he put the box i wonder if he put the blaze like mm-hmm. did he did he is it like his own trail and yeah. he has something that he did as a blaze yeah like and maybe it's not a normal it. trail Right. Like right. he made a trail off a trail. Right. So yes. so people all around the world probably had these conversations. Like, what do you think of the pudding of Brown's house? What is cold? Where's the water? Et cetera. So um, Fenn estimated that about 300,000 people from all around the world went hunting for this treasure um, over the last 10 years. That's unbelievable. 300,000 people. That's There's a, a ranger in Yellowstone, and he basically said that every other week, someone comes in and asks him about Fen's, Fen treasure. 
So uh, tons of people. It's, it's not something that like a couple people were looking for. So thousands and thousands of people were looking for 10 years. Some people quit their jobs to fully become treasure hunters. And some even died. Five people died while searching for the treasure. And they died in all different parts of the country. Two people died near the Rio Grande. One person died near Yellowstone. Um, someone specifically moved to Colorado to look for the treasure, and his body was found in Colorado's Arkansas River. And someone else died near the Utah-Colorado border. So people took this very, very seriously. So you've got to think this is not something, unfortunately, that the Allwert family can find while going on a hike on a Sunday. I mean, you really needed to think critically about all the clues. And it is obviously a matter of luck in addition to a really close study of the clues. This isn't a uh, Sunday afternoon geocache we're going for here. Unfortunately not. So at the time, several years ago, there were this was getting more and more popular and more and more traction. And I can get why. And there were there were a few theories that were bouncing around um, on where where is the treasure. So I have a couple of them here that I'll talk through. So the first one in no particular order, Custer Gallatin National Forest in Montana. So this is in the northwestern, adjacent to the northwestern corner of Yellowstone. Fan uh, vacationed there as a kid. He mentioned it in his book. He vacationed there as an adult. And near there, um, there's a section of, uh, of of the area called Paradise Valley, which is outside of Gardner, Montana. So in this Paradise Valley area, ties really well to the poem. Where the warm waters halt, that's the boiling river just inside Yellowstone. Taken in the canyon down, that's obviously the Yankee Jim Canyon. The home of Brown is the Joe Brown boat launch on uh, on the Yellowstone, of course. And the end is drawing ever nigh. It's a clever homonym for nigh Montana. So I can see why people like that area. There's a totally. lot that, that ties to the poem. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's kind of Montana area, um, I think adjacent to Wyoming. Another area was in Colorado, so Dinosaur National Monument, a place I've always wanted to go. Um, so there was a, an area there near the Green River that also tied well to the uh, tied to the poem. So the Warm Springs Cliff is the warm water. Browns Park is the home of Brown. Um, apparently, in the 19th century, going back back in the day, there was a famous fur trapper named Joseph Meek. So he left the area when the fur trade left. So that's no place for the Meek. Oh, and, or another way to interpret the meek clue is that there's this very dangerous suspension bridge that sways when you walk over it. Dad, not like that. Uh, That's also not for the meek. So um, another place, Dinosaur National Monument, that ties really well to the poem. And idea number three that was shared uh, is in New Mexico. So this one, to me, didn't seem to have as much going for it. Uh, The main main rationale for this one was it was pretty close to Fenn's Santa Fe home. It seemed like a little bit more of a stretch, but there were people people looking there. And as Katie was saying, you have people looking everywhere, people in the Rio Grande, Wyoming, New Mexico, all the, basically all the way up to Canada. And what's cool about, like, when you were talking about Montana and Yellowstone and then you were talking about dinosaur, each time I'm like, oh, no, it's definitely there because of all those clues. And then I'm like, no, 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 it's definitely there. So you can imagine if you're a treasure hunter and you find a place that fits so perfectly, I mean, you might go crazy because, right, you're like, this has got to be it. There's no way that it's not here. It's so obvious. But. so excited. And then in 2020. A 32-year-old named Jack Sue finally found Sven's puzzle. 
Before he found it, he said, I've probably thought about it for at least a couple hours a day, every day, since I learned about it. Stoof says, every day. He explained in 2018 he had thought of the location of where Fen might have died and used 25 days over the next two years looking in the general area until he found the treasure. He found the chest in early June of 2020 in Wyoming and drove down to Santa Fe to tell Fen the same day. And that would be very surprising if you have thought of it for two years, thought about it every day, every hour, um, you would probably be very, very proud if you found millions of dollars of treasure. Can you imagine how happy he must have been? My gosh, like he's spent, he's thought about it every day for an hour at least, and then he goes and finds it and how excited he must be to drive it to the owner. Um it's, it's kind of, it's so neat to think of that moment, right? Like he's somewhere in the woods. Side note, it was in Wyoming, right? So it was in none of the places you talked about, Todd. It was, we know it was found in Wyoming. It could, could overlap maybe with Yellowstone. I don't okay. know the geography there that well, but they haven't, they haven't shared specifically where. And they've kept it a secret, right? They kept the location a secret in part because all of these, you know, 20, 200,000 people probably would want to go then find it and they don't want to create sort of this mad tourist attraction. So it's pretty amazing and kudos to Jack Stoof. Um, He said when about the location, he said, I don't want to ruin this treasure hunt by saying it was made for an English major, but it's based on a close read of a text. I mean, that's what it is. It's having the correct interpretation of a poem. I understood him by reading his words and listening him to him talk over and over and over and over again and seeking out anything I could get my hands on that told me what who he was. I wonder if after he found the treasure and drove it drove it to um Forest Fen, I wonder if they're putting it back in the same place or if the student um, is going to find a new place and like kind of like redo the treasure hunt in a new place. And something that's so poignant that I don't think we've touched on is it was found right before Forrest Fenn died, which is pretty amazing. So he died in yeah. September of 2020. Oh, my gosh. And the treasure was found in June. So if, if it were not for three months different, it would never have been found. And I wonder if there's a part of him where once it was found, he sort of felt like his life's work had come to be, and he passed away in 2020. It's pretty incredible. We hope you've had fun listening to this podcast. Um, as we usually do, we do a fair amount of research. Um, so we're going to put our source material on the website. We're also then going to, I'm going to just thank, there's a great NPR article called Seeking Adventure. Um, There's a great outsideonline.com article. We use the website fenclues.com. Fen is spelled F-E-N-N. We used Wikipedia, and we're sitting here in the Staples studio. So thanks to all of those source materials and others to help us put together this episode. We'll put the research sources that we used on our website. And to all of our listeners out there, if you're interested in hiding a million-dollar treasure, please let us know. We'll be on the case. 
Uh, email us at cornerpiecemysteries at gmail.com and let us know your thought and if you have anything about treasure. Bye. Bye-bye.